welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. How many of you can tell we're gonna have fun with Too Far From The Farm? Uh, It's a three-week collection of sermons, and we're gonna talk about a good soil this week. We're gonna talk about the life is in the blood next week, because we're too far from the farm. And then third week, we're gonna talk about it's all about the harvest. Everything is about the harvest. And um, we went on location to the farm, and so today there's gonna be an extensive video. Uh, It's gonna be a longer video. The other two weeks, it'll be a shorter video, but today there's an extensive one. And uh, we're so grateful for all that happened on the farm. Wanna let you know also on your way out, you're gonna get some seeds uh, too far from the farm. They've been branded. I've got basil, watermelon, and cucumber. And uh, so you're gonna get that. And if you don't like what you've got, just trade in the lobby. It's kind of like Pokemon <laughs> card. You know, like just trade. Okay, all right. So just do that, all right? So. But we are a people that are too far from the farm. And I gotta say this, I'm so guilty. I grew up in Egan, Minnesota. Um, and I want to let you know that I was very suburban, uh, had no idea about farming at all. Um, I, I wasn't part of this group. Like, I, I didn't realize this. There's a bunch of people that are suburban right now that are raising chickens. I didn't know that, that it's legal. Like, Burnsville, I think, allows you to have four chickens. Lakeville's three. Uh, there's actually, like, you can have, like, in your suburban house, you can have a chicken coop in your backyard and raise farm fresh eggs, you know. Um, I didn't realize also there's like a chicken underground. How many are aware of that? <laughs> yeah, you loan your chickens out to places where it's illegal for them to have chickens, and then they're really not. They're, I mean, I'm just telling you, all right. Chicken underground. <laughs> but not so far from the farm. I mean, this is a confession. I was once preaching a sermon, and there was a picture of this, you know, field of cotton, and there was a storm coming, and, and there was a, a, a piece of farm equipment in the field, and I was like, that guy's got to speed up that cotton gin and get the cotton in. And I was like, is it a cotton gin? And they're like, no, you're an idiot. It was a combine. It was a combine. (laughs) I called the combine a cotton gin. Like, I'm an idiot, you know? And and you think, like, where does that come from? Well, my mom was so city. Um, True story. She's uh, meeting, you know, my dad's mom, and she's there, you know, meeting her and there for a dinner, and dad's introducing her to the family they're dating. And and my mom takes a bite of the pickle, and it was a really good pickle. And she goes, did you grow these pickles yourself? And, and they're like, what? She's like, these are amazing pickles. Did you grow these pickles? And they're all looking at her. And my uncle at the time goes, they're cucumbers. <laughs> and she goes, oh, you're not fooling me. These are not cucumbers. <laughs> OK, you're not laughing hard enough. That is like, they're cucumbers. They're not pickles. Some of you are like, OK, we really need this sermon. Pickles, you don't grow pickles. You grow cucumbers. All right. So, city slickers, that's who we are, all right? So, we're going to go uh, look at the farm, and I think there's so much to understand about God and the Bible as we look at agriculture, and we're so far away uh, from these things. The life is in the blood, the agriculture. We're so far away, we don't understand it, and we've got to get back, and we need to understand that as people are running away from the farm, it's like they're running away from an all-powerful God that sustains everything we have. We become so independent, so uh, far away from that, that we don't even think we need the farm, and we desperately need the farm. 
In the 1800s, the number of distinct occupations was 70. There were 70 known occupations really in America in the 1800s. And now here we are, as recent as 2000, there were 30,959 distinct occupations. It's like we're trying to run away from the farm with new occupations and all this, and we're running away. And yet agriculture is so important. Really what, one of the key factors that determines if a country is a first world, second world, or third world country is agriculture. Listen to this from World Bank. It says, agricultural development is one of the most powerful tools to end extreme poverty, boost shared prosperity, and feed a projected 9.7 billion people by 2050. Growth in the agricultural sector is two to four times more effective in raising incomes amongst the poorest compared to other sectors. That's why Convoy of Hope, one of the ministries that we support, is helping people to have self-sustaining farms all around the world. Matter of fact, their new headquarters has got a state-of-the-art facility where they can teach people how to farm and they can live stream all around the world to farmers, teaching them what they need to do so they can be lifted out of poverty. In the New Testament, there's over 100 verses that speak of plants or agriculture. And I'm going to read some of the Old and New Testament. There's way too many in the Old Testament for me to read them all, but I'll just read a sampling of it. All the Jewish feasts that are mentioned in the Bible are in line with the, with the seasonal farming cycles. All the feasts are. It's all about the, the seasons and the farming. It was so prevalent. I mean, we need to have this understanding, and we've got to understand uh, uh, what the Bible is trying to teach us about God and about life and about the things in our life that we need to change. It's all using agricultural terms. Now, we don't need to sell the house. And if you watch this, you're like, oh, we gotta sell. We, got all, we don't have to all move to the farm. But I'm praying from this, we'll, we realize there's some things that we could do to understand God better. Maybe it'll be to plant a garden. Maybe it'll be to shop at the farmer's market. Maybe it'll be to buy directly from the butcher. Maybe it'll be to raise chickens in the backyard. Maybe to be getting back to nature. I'm not exactly sure how you'll live this out, but there's something that God wants to teach us by looking at the farm and at agriculture. Now, I'm going to read a bunch of scriptures, and I'm going to read them fast because that's what I do. Um, <laughs> Genesis, because I've got so many, and I'm like, how am I going to read all these? But Genesis 2.15, we see this. It says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. So there's so much there, and each of these could be a sermon. But it starts with man in the garden working the garden. And then when man sinned, it says in Genesis 3.17 to Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the fruit of the tree, which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground. Wow. Because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you are taken. From dust you are, and dust you will return. And then in Genesis 3:23, it says, So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. There's so much there in the Bible. In Genesis 8, there's the law of sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping is not a televangelist thing that he's trying to trick you into sowing money and reaping a return. I'm telling you, there's sowing and reaping. If it wasn't for the law of sowing and reaping, we would all die. You plant a kernel and you grow a stock. You understand sowing and reaping. Genesis 8:22. as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. The harvest is, is something that the Bible talks about, and it also talks about the Sabbath. I thought this was interesting in Exodus 34, 21. Six days you shall labor, but on the seventh day you shall rest. 
Even during the plowing season and harvest, you must rest. Some of you say, well, it's a busy season. I got to skip church. It's a busy season. I don't have time with God. And God's like, no, no. Even during the busy season, you have time for me. Leviticus 17, 11, this will be next week. For the life of all a creature is in the blood and I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It is the blood that makes atonement for one's life. We're so far away. The whole story of Ruth in the Bible is a great agricultural story talking about not gleaning every bit of it and leaving a little bit for the poor. Proverbs 20, verse four, sluggers do not plow in season, so at harvest time they look but find nothing. Mark chapter four, Listen, a farmer went out to sow a seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Others' seed fell among the thorns which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Jesus continued in Mark chapter four. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. There's so much there. I wanna to go to 2 Corinthians Chapter 9, verses 6 through 11, it says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly also reaps sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever." Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Wow, there's so many more. I'm gonna just quick read a couple. 2 Timothy 2.6, the hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. All the farmers said, there was three of them. All right, amen. James 5.7, be patient then brothers and sisters until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for autumn and the spring rains. Galatians 6, 7, and 9. Let me read this one. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. There's so many lessons from the Bible. So I just want us to do this right now. Let's just go to the farm and see what God has in store for us. Hey, I'm here with Rory Groves and uh, he has opened up his family, his farm, his life to help us. I'm glad that you would do this with us with our series. You're very welcome. I'm glad to have you here. So we're down here in uh, Northfield, Minnesota. That's right. So we're not that far from our campuses. Matter of fact, Faribault campus is right over there. That's right. So uh, were you raised here? Like, I, I kind of know your story, but I'm leading. Where were you raised? No, I was born and raised in the suburbs. Uh, we moved out here 10 years ago, and prior to that, had absolutely no idea what it took to run a farm or to manage a farm or raise animals or grow food. And that was actually part of the reason we moved here. So wait, you moved here and you had no idea Nothing. how to do a farm? Absolutely not. I didn't even have any relatives who farmed. So you move here, you decide to pack up. Yeah. 
your wife was in total agreement? Yeah, Becca's up for an adventure pretty much at any time. So she was on board. We had two kids at the time. So my oldest was two, and our youngest had just been born when we moved. She was nine days old when we moved out here. No kidding, yeah. nine days old, yeah. coming to the farm. Becca is a hero and an adventurer. It kind of solidified why we came out here and some of the things that we wanted to do with raising our family out in more of a rural setting than when we were in a city in kind of a suburban setting. Talk about that because I'm I'm looking at this and I'm reading the Bible and it jumps off the page to me like the law of sowing and reaping in Genesis 8. And then I see the life is in the blood and then I see them tilling and it's, it's very agrarian. And I'm like, we're losing the lessons. And so yeah. here I am living in my suburban lifestyle. Then I'm looking at the Bible and I'm wondering what am I disconnecting? So you're sitting there in a suburban lifestyle and you're like, what, what jumps at you that I've got to well, get to the farm? I started dabbling in gardening a little bit in our tiny postage stamp sized lot in South Minneapolis. And for the first time when I was planting seeds or I was cultivating or weeding, all of a sudden, all these agricultural implications of the Bible started to have more of an influence and bear more meaning to me. And I'd been a Christian my entire life, but when I was actually getting my own hands dirty and supplying my source of food and connecting, just even in that small way, just the gardening, I really started to understand some truths. I started to see some theology working out in practice. Yeah. And so when we moved to the farm, it was more kind of born out of a desire to go more in that direction. There are truths in the scriptures which you can't really access unless you're living in that context. Um, I kind of explain it this way. People who have traveled to Israel and seen the Holy Land. Yep, I've done that. Yeah, and does it open up your eyes to a whole new way of understanding? Completely. You're just like, okay, now I know that that's there and that's yeah. there and that's why it makes sense. Yes. This is what they were doing. And it all connects all the dots. So agriculture is like that. It's opening your eyes to a whole new understanding of scripture that was always there, but just we're so detached, we're so far from the farm, that we don't instinctively understand what's the deal with separating sheep from goats, for example, which we've had to do yeah. on routine occasions. And I wouldn't even know. And, and, and what, what's all of the stuff about the voice of the shepherd? What's that about? I mean, we kind of can assume these things, but until you've lived it and, and, and walked in that way, you don't really connect and understand the deeper truths of what Jesus means. Probably the most profound one is the seed on the soil. When the scripture talks about uh, casting seed on different types of soil, yeah. and there's the rocky soil, and there's the- The thorns the, the, and yeah. choke it out. Right, thorns choke it out and the cares and the, of this world. The soil is what's different in each of those scenarios. It's not the seed. It's the same truth dropping into every scenario. Out here, something that you'll learn is that if you have poor soil, only thistle will grow there. Thistle is like the evidence that there's something wrong with the health of your land. And so you can go do, you can go in there and do things to treat it and try to pull up the thistle, spray it. You know, that's kind of more of a modern way just to deal, just kind of scorched earth policy and just spray it. Or you can try to work on amending the soil. And the actual real way to get rid of thistle is to amend the soil through natural ecological means where the health of the soil is improved and then all of a sudden good seed starts to sprout and it crowds out the thorns. But see, people don't yeah. want to do that. They would rather spray it with poison, take a pill, learn the cheat, do, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and the hard work of having to do that, there's a huge lesson there.
Okay, when you moved to the farm, you actually were still working at a software company, right? Yeah, this was just a hobby. It was a hobby farm. Yeah. And I, I didn't really think of this as changing my uh, vocation. I just wanted a little bit more variety. I wanted to raise my kids in a different setting and, and maybe have a little bit more room to play. I guess that's kind of how I perceived it when we came out here. But the land being part of this agricultural context, it started to have an impact on us as a family. And the more that we connected with the land, the more we connected with our creator, and the more we started to yearn for a simpler, a less complicated, but also a, a richer, fuller, satisfying way to live. Really pursuing more self-sufficiency directly from the land was became a big heart cry of ours. In order to live a self-sufficient life, it takes a tremendous amount of knowledge. And, and one of the things that we're trying to do here is we're, we're starting from scratch. You know, I, I tell people we're first-generation farmers. Sure. There were no first-generation farmers since Adam up until the Industrial Revolution. It takes a tremendous amount of time to learn to live this way, like yeah. a generation. I don't think that I will understand it fully in this decade, but my kids might. Right there, just by the fact of saying, hey, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let my life be a stepping stone so that my kids We'll have this knowledge, we'll have this reclaimed in our family line of how to subsist off the land. I'm gonna dedicate myself to that. Already, the land is causing me to think generationally. Yeah, it's interesting you say, you know, cause you're, the land is speaking to you, but the other day I held my grandson, you know, first time, and somebody said, what did it feel like? And I said, it felt like eternity hmm. in my hands. Cool. Like when I had my own kids, I was like, oh, family, we continue. And then when I held my grandson, I was like, wait, I leave someday and they're coming behind me. And it was just a way bigger picture of eternity. And you're saying the land does that too. That's very cool. Those look awfully clean. It's like close. We have in our garden behind us, we have two formats of gardening that we're doing. One is called a deep mulch garden where we put in a lot of wood chips and, and we suppress weeds using tons and tons of wood chips, like four to six inches of wood chips. One of the things it does is it provides a covering for the ground so it's not exposed. And then it breaks down into natural fertilizer as yeah. the wood chips break down, suppresses weeds. But it is a lot of work because we have to hand pull every weed that comes up, okay? So there's a lot of work involved in that. The other uh, plot, which is right next to it, is tilled soil. If we don't get out there routinely and disturb the soil and continue to rip up the soil in between the plantings of that bare dirt, it explodes in weeds all the time. There's something about the land is always trying to cover itself. So if you expose back black dirt yeah. on the land, it will erupt in weeds. Because uh, uh, it wants to have a covering? It wants a covering. Okay. See, God designed it in such a way that the ground always has a covering. And if you don't, if you uncover the ground, it will bring forth all of this vegetation that will cover it again. It's constantly trying to do that. And so all of the black dirt that you see in all of the plowed fields, that only happens where man has been. There's nowhere in nature where that happens naturally. It's only where man is continually tilling the soil. And you think about what happened when Adam left the garden. After the fall, the first thing it says that he did is he went out and tilled the soil. Nothing gets more farm shot than a tractor. 
And this is the uh, mulch. You were talking about yeah. spread the mulch so you don't get the weeds. If you put on a real deep layer of mulch, so that if I get down to here, get underneath the wood chips, you have this super healthy, really dark, great good dirt. black growing soil right there. Yep. And what's happening under the wood chips, these wood chips are constantly breaking down into dirt, so it's continually composting in place, they call that. So it not only suppresses the weed, but it's constantly fertilizing your ground. And as we're walking around on this, it's not compacting the soil. It kind of creates footpaths without- Spreads it out. Compaction, um, you know, ex like I talked about earlier, exposing a patch of dirt just to the sun or to the open air, it'll start to degrade the soil. So it's that covering. You're basically replacing the covering that um, the ground wants to do anyway. Really good. Over time, the wood chipped side of the garden will far outgrow and outproduce the tilled part of the garden. And it's actually sustainable because it'll do that indefinitely. And this goes back, I think, to the seed. It was the same seed, it's the soil that was different. It all is about what are you doing to build healthy soil. And I think I was with uh, my son Ivor in the orchard just a couple days ago and we were having this exact same conversation because I was, we had thistle sprouting in all these patches and it was going to seed, which is terrible. You never want to let thistle go to seed. You'll get a thousand more of it sure. if it goes to seed. That's a great lesson there. Yeah, Never exactly. let thistle go to seed or you'll get a thousand more. Take care of the weeds in your life early. Absolutely. Oh my word, it's 10 times harder to get rid of uh, weeds after they've matured. But I was pulling it out and I was noticing everywhere the thistle was growing was on patches of like bare ground. Where for some reason or another, the soil just wasn't very healthy in that spot. That's where it was all springing up. And I was telling Ivor, Ivor, are the things in your life producing healthy soil or depleted soil? How, what are you doing? to amend that soil, because if you're just producing depleted soil, if you're, if you're casting your attention in your life on things that are frivolous and don't matter, that are not building you up in a spiritual sense, you're gonna produce a harvest of thistle. Yeah. But the way to counter that is not to continue to spray and cut and pull. The way to counter that is to improve the soil health. And they're already in the ground, there's good seed, that will sprout and will crowd out the thistle, and that's how you actually will eliminate the thistle. In the parable of the sower, he talks about the weeds choke out the life. So when you plant something, let's say you plant sweet corn, if you just plant it and let it be and you don't weed it, what's gonna happen is weeds are gonna come in, they're gonna compete for the nitrogen, the phosphorus, you know, potassium that's in the soil and other, all kinds of other elements, and they're gonna compete. You're still gonna get corn, corn will come up, but it'll be choked out in the sense that you're gonna, some of it's not gonna actually produce sweet corn because it will be too stunted. Some of it will produce some sweet corn. So the weeds are always competing for the attention, I guess you could say, of the soil. When you plant a seed, do you expect a seed to grow out of it or what type of return do you expect to get when you plant? Yeah, I mean, what Jesus said is right, 30, 60 or 100 fold. That's what you're looking for. Seed. You know, he said, unless the seed falls to the ground and dies, right. it remains only a single seed. So something that's interesting, when you put a seed in the ground, when you water the seed, it kills the seed and it weakens the shell. The potential for life is in there, but the water kills the seed, it falls to the ground and dies, right? It was once part of a living organism, but it dies. Once it's dead, it can be resurrected. And so I take my children out to the garden and we did this this spring and I take Alden who's six 
and I, I, we're putting in uh, beans, and I'm telling them, okay, Alden, so this, this seed that's going into the ground, it's gonna die now, and then it's going to resurrect. Do you see how creation is always reflecting the gospel? What did Jesus do? He went to the grave, and then he could be resurrected. So in this one little seed is the whole gospel that God's trying to repeat to us through all of creation. It's just always there. I did a summer like that where I brought my kids to different places, to a pond, and I showed them like pond scum, and I said, see, it doesn't have an inlet, out, you know, it doesn't have an outflow, so it's getting stale. And I took them to all these different places because I didn't live on a farm. I, couldn't, I didn't change my location, but I at least wanted to give them some information and have those uh, God moments and those teachable moments. Absolutely. Well, and, and I would just say, you don't have to have a farm to have these moments. You have to be in creation. You have to be in nature. God supplies the teaching opportunities, but we are the ones that walked out of nature. Right. So you can still go back in. It's still here, you know. Right. It's not that far. It's maybe an hour out of your way. Well, we're like 30 minutes at most yeah. from four of our campuses right now. And I bet if you drive 30 minutes from any of our campuses, you're going to find a farm. Maybe yeah. city is going to stretch, but you know, you're going to find it. And so you're not that far away. And when you say that, I think they've proven that the colors of green, brown, blue, blue sky, green, and, and brown are calming. And yet we live with computer blue light flooding us. We live in, you know, white or gray offices that are painted neutral. Yeah. And yet everything around us right here was made to calm us and to give us a sense yeah. of peace. These are the turnips and the beets that we just harvested. If you raise it, you have to eat it. That's right. That's, That's the law of the farm. What's this? Bad soil. All right. Okay. There you go. Get, get a Just camera get a here. Shot. We need a camera. Bad Just get a soil. Shot. So nothing's growing there. Nothing's growing. Now that left on its own will sprout thistle. Thistle will oh, find sure. a home there, and that's that'll be the only thing that grows there, and that'll be a patch of thistle. That's why, as Christians, we've got to constantly be producing the things in our lives or doing the things in our lives that produce good soil. That's right. And God will make it grow, but we've got to make it good soil. And I think that's time in the Word, yeah. time in His presence, that's doing what you were created for. And, and when you're active and you're discipling and you're doing all that, you're creating a good soil. Yeah. Otherwise, you start chasing after things in the world, turns into that. I had somebody ask me a question the other day. They said, what's the manure in your life that brings a good harvest? Ooh, and I, I like, like that, that's good. I was like, how do I develop that into a sermon? Yes. What's the manure in your life that's producing a good harvest. It's actually fertilizer, but you think it's manure. Who wants to help me write the manure sermon? <laughs> yeah, I kind of, I did one on that kind of in a way. The struggle makes you stronger. The things in your life that you struggle against, that you complain, in many ways are deepening your faith and strengthening who you are in Jesus Christ. Now, I wanna just dwell on this for just a, a, a moment because we need to help get the soil ready in people's lives. I just thought it was so profound when Rory said, it's the same seed, same seed. Jesus is presented. It's not like a lesser version to your friend or to your relative or your coworker. Same seed, same seed, but the soil of their life, their soul soil, if you will, is not ready. 
And some people around us have hard soil and we've got to pray, God, help us to see past the hardness of who they are. Help us instead of being angry that they've been hurt or run over in life or disappointed or had tragedies or there's anger or things that make them a hard person to reach. Instead of being angry, let's say, God, help us to soften their heart. Help us to love the unlovable. Help us to be kind to those that are me. Let, let's help people that have that soil in their heart. Let's do everything we can to make sure that that soil can become receptive to the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's other people that have rocky soil, which the, the gospels talk about. And that rocky soil is, is saying like persecution when it, when it comes along, they don't wanna let it go. They don't, they don't wanna stay strong. And we wanna do everything we can to help people that are living in rocky soil to be ready to stay strong for God. And for, I was thinking about this, if you ever driven by a, a farmer's field and you see piles of rocks, they get the rocks out of the soil. They get the rocks and they pile them up over there. And I wanna speak to anybody that has a rock collection in your life. You have a rock collection. It's not literally rocks, but it's things that you don't wanna lose. And they're things that you think are valuable, but they're just rocks compared to knowing Christ. It's just rocks. And you think it's the car collection or this or the status or whatever. And when persecution comes, you don't wanna lose those things. You don't wanna lose the job or your status or your wealth or whatever. And so that rock in your life, you're holding on to it. We've gotta help people to understand that Jesus is so much more valuable than their rock collection. There's people that have thorny soil. And I see a lot of people in church that just thorny soil. And there's no fruit. I thank God that they're in, but there's no fruit. It's just the cares of this world just choke it out. And the moment you get a tinge of like, I want to do something from God or for God, the weeds of this world just say, nope, nope, you're too busy with this, you're too busy with that, you're too, and it just chokes out the life. I'm speaking to the church now. I pray that the church will get rid of the thorns and get rid of the thistle and Take care of it, like you said, long before it grows because the good soil is those that hear it, they accept it, they apply it, and they bring forth a harvest. And I'm praying that of our church, that we'd be that type of church that would bring forth the harvest. And I'm praying that you would amend the soil. You'd amend the soil. That's what he said in there. And amend just means to change it for the better, to improve it. I mean, soil is alive. I didn't, I just learned so much about this. The soil is alive. In one tablespoon of soil, there's more microorganisms in that one tablespoon of soil than all the people on planet Earth. That's how teeming with life the soil is. And God's like, I want to teach you all these lessons, and I want to show you this. But for those of us that are here, we need to amend our soil and make it better so that the things that God wants to grow in our life can grow. He does the growing. We do the amending of the soil. We prepare our heart to grow. We, we live the life that he wants us to live. And then he causes these great things to grow in our life. See, the weeds of this world are competing in that soil. The things of God and the weeds are competing. And God's saying, like, amend the soil. Make it better so that what I want to grow in your life can grow. And so for those of you that are walking with the Lord, I'd say, spending time in the word, like I said in the video, being in worship, praying, serving, being in community, taking time of rest, being in awe of God, confessing your faults one to another as amending the soil. 
being filled with the Spirit, running from temptation. These are things that amend the soil and allow the things of God to grow in your life. You guard your heart, you pull the weeds. 1 Peter 2, 1 says, rid yourself of all malice and deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. It's literally saying amend the soil, pull those things out. A Christian shouldn't have those things. Those are things you wanna get rid of so the soil is rich and the soil brings forth the harvest that God has for us. I believe there are so many great lessons from the farm and I'm praying that you'll take this and you'll even talk about it, you'll grow, you'll write your own sermon this week on what the, the word of God is speaking to you in agriculture. But I'm praying that for all of us, we'd, we'd help reach those people and get that soil ready. We'd show them how to live differently so they don't have to have hard soil or rocky soil. I pray for believers here that you would not have thorny soil that chokes out the things of God that he wants to do in your life. And I pray for all of us that we'd have good soil, same seed, same seed, flourishing and growing in our life and producing a beautiful harvest that brings glory and honor to our Savior. So Lord, I pray that we'd learn too far from the farm. This is just getting started, and I just pray that we'd grab hold of all these lessons. We'd amend the soil. There are things in so many of our lives that it's, it's things that don't need to be in the soil. It's things that need to be pulled out. It's things that need to be taken care of. It's things that need to be done differently. And so God, may we improve the soil. There's things we need to add to it. Even now, as I said that list, there's some people saying, yeah, I need to join a small group. Yeah, I need to use my gifts. Yeah, I need to be in community. Yes, and there, these are things that we're adding to the soil so that what you produce in us will be just a, a, a great harvest of righteousness. So I thank you, God, that we can learn from this and you're gonna speak to us. And I pray that we'd learn uh, uh, just all that you want us to learn. Let us not be so far away from the farm that we forget the one who sustains everything, who holds this universe, who makes everything work, who gives life to us, who takes care of everything we need. So God, help us to not run from the farm and run from our Lord, but to run to you and to learn what you want us to learn. Thank you for this, Lord. Thank you for this, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.